Hello, I'm Chance Leopold with Leopold Cattle Company, West Columbia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So great to have you back once again for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're taking a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the wheat crop has not looked good all year long, and it's getting worse, especially when you factor in that big windstorm we had out in the panhandle a couple of weeks ago. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A Texas Panhandle farmer says water conservation efforts appear to be helping his well levels rise. But the changes he's made to his operation have, at times, meant accepting declines in revenue. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The Texas FFA is a three-part model of education. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the breakdown of that model in today's story on Texas Ag Today. The House of Representatives passed two bills relating to livestock markets. I'm Chad Smith, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Wheat farmers across the country have been dealing with adverse conditions over the last few months, and that has made for a struggling wheat crop. Then there was last week's massive windstorm across the southern plains. Producers in that region are less than a week removed from a remarkable wind and dust storm that created great concern for the winter wheat crop. That's USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey. Some of the wheat in places like Nebraska, Kansas, and Oklahoma was largely in pretty good shape heading into December. But we have seen some adverse conditions over the last three weeks, starting with warm and dry weather. And then less than a week ago, we had this dust storm that created winds that were as high as 75 to 100 miles per hour or higher. It's been a tough start for a wheat crop that already had some challenges going into the establishment and planting season with the lowest rated wheat crop in almost a decade since the autumn of 2012. USDA's Brad Rippey. Some Texas corn growers are recognized for their outstanding yields this year. Eleven Texans have been recognized by the National Corn Growers Association for the yields they achieved this year. Justin Hansen of Lorena placed first in the conventional non-irrigated state category in the 2021 Corn Yield Contest with 237.9 bushels an acre. Keith Crest of Wharton brought home second place in that category with 236. Aaron Martinka of Buckholtz came in third with 210 bushels an acre. Hansen also brought home first place in the no-till, non-irrigated category. Brian Fink of Cost won the strip mulch 
minimum till ridge till non-irrigated category with 197 bushels an acre. First place in the no-till irrigated category went to Andy Cover of Downheart with 338 bushels an acre. Second place went to Jarrett Weinheimer with 284. Todd Reinhardt of Amarillo took first place in the strip, mulch, minimum till, ridge till irrigated category with 318 bushels an acre. Second went to Jody Besner of Texline at 317. And third went to Brett Britton of Groom with a yield of 287. The top winner in the state conventional irrigated category went to Tommy and Valerie Cartwright of Sunray with 331.9 bushels an acre. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Water conservation efforts on the Texas High Plains could help recharge the Ogallala Aquifer. James Hunt talks with one farmer who's making the effort to rebuild his water supply. Chris Grodegoot and his family have a farming and ranching operation near Hereford, and on their land, Grodegoot says, well levels have risen in recent years, even with the family continuing to use Ogallala Aquifer water for irrigation. As we talked about in our previous report, Grotegut says his family has been making a conscious effort over the past 11 years or so to try to promote recharge of the aquifer by pumping less groundwater and relying more on rainfall, and also by taking much of their land back into native grasses. It's an ongoing commitment, and one that has come with some trade-offs. It can take 1 to 10 years to get a native grass stand right. And is it ever really right? In my mind, some of it may, it may take 100 years to get it 100% right back to the true native state. But it's about going the right direction. And for us, that got us the right direction because all the while we did that, it did reduce cost, improve ecological viability. Now, it may have cut, there's absolutely no question, it cut our income at times in doing it. But it also cut risk off the table in doing it. So what it did, it changed our focus to how do we become a least cost producer as a whole and focus the resources we use more appropriately. However, while Grotegut is an advocate for water conservation practices, he says it's important to note that the capacity for recharge will vary along the length of the aquifer, depending on factors like the type of soil a particular piece of land has and the distance from the land surface to the top of the water table. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas FFA is a three-part model of education. Tom Nicoletti has one final visit with the new executive director of the Texas FFA. Texas FFA Executive Director Jennifer Jackson joins me again today and explains the three segments that make up the overall FFA program. So we like to tell our teachers and our students that in order to really get the full benefit of being an FFA member, you should be involved in the three parts of that three circle model. And so what this entails is instruction. So all of the things that you learn in any of your agriculture classes, whether that be principles of AFNR, animal science, livestock production, any of the ag mechanics courses, wildlife management, and then take what you've learned in those instructional courses and apply it to your SAE or your FFA 
opportunities. FFA entails leadership and then those competitive events and also that participation in your SAE. SAE stands for Supervised Agricultural Experiences, that you're taking that knowledge that you've gleaned from your FFA courses and your FFA involvement, you're applying it to an operation that is just yours. Some of the SAEs include showing animals. You can have a school-based enterprise. We're actually implementing a new school-based enterprise award for chapters starting in 2022. And what this entails is students developing a business plan and then operating and executing that business, whether it be floral design business, whether it be constructing and fabricating trailers or other shop projects. SAEs are are limitless. We have students who work part-time jobs at local feed stores, who shadow veterinarians, who who work for local producers, whether that be on the animal side of things or, or crop production. And so that's the glory of Texas FFA is that the opportunities are really endless. That is Jennifer Jackson, the new executive director of the Texas FFA. For more information, go to texasffa.org. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The House of Representatives recently passed two bills relating to livestock markets. Chad Smith has the story from Washington. By a vote of 418 to 9, the House passed a bill that would extend livestock mandatory reporting into late 2022. Scott Bennett, Director of Congressional Relations with the American Farm Bureau Federation, says LMR is an important tool for farmers and ranchers. Livestock mandatory reporting, or LMR, is critical to ranchers because it requires sale barns and packers to disclose the prices at which they buy livestock. This information is relied upon heavily by ranchers for transparency in the livestock markets. Without an extension of LMR, ranchers would be in the dark over the value of their livestock because reporting would no longer be required by law. Now that the House has acted on the legislation, Bennett says the Senate still needs to pass a similar bill before the extension can go to the president. The House passed a bill extending LMR authorization through the end of September 2022. The Senate needs to pass a similar measure in order for the president to sign the bill into law, but we already know of several senators that oppose an extension of that time frame. We continue to work with the Senate to ensure a timely reauthorization of LMR, which is now set to expire February 18th, 2022. Bennett says there are still several other pieces of livestock-related legislation that AFBF is watching. AFBF was also excited to see a bill pass through the House that would create a cattle contract library. We also support the Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, but not at the expense of LMR reauthorization. That remains priority number one for American Farm Bureau. From Washington, I'm Chad Smith for Texas Ag Today. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking for a few volunteers between 18 and 30 who are interested in promoting their favorite state park. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And feeding fruits and vegetables to horses may not be the best thing to do. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. It's been a tough year. As a farmer or rancher, you know life in agriculture is often stressful. Things like the economy, finances, weather, and even a pandemic increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. With a demanding workload, it seems that there isn't room for the soft stuff, like talking about feelings. Yet, talking about the hard times can be one of the best ways to manage this stress. 
Although we can't always control or choose our circumstances, we can control and choose how we respond to them. Sometimes that response looks like asking for help. Some would say the best quality of a farmer or rancher is their independent spirit. But what is agriculture without its community? A force of helpers, neighbors, extension, Farm Bureau members, friends, counselors, and pastors. We are stronger together. Find someone you can talk to. Find the help you need. The Southwest Ag Center is working with the Texas Department of Agriculture to identify stress assistance and resources. Visit swagcenter.org stress to learn more. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Feeding fruits and vegetables to horses may not be the best thing to do. Dr. Bob Judd says a recent article by Dr. Clara Thune says it is okay to feed pumpkins to horses. Dr. Thunes indicates you can feed pumpkin to horses. The first thing to consider when feeding any fruits or vegetables to horses is whether the item is toxic, and just because a human can eat it does not mean a horse can eat it. There are lots of checklists of poisonous items at the Cornell University website or the Association for the Society for Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, or the ASPCA. You then need to consider the nutrient profile of the food, and this is especially important for horses that have equine metabolic syndrome, or EMS. For example, pumpkin has a low glycemic index, meaning it does not cause a rapid increase in blood glucose, so it should be safe for horses with EMS, assuming a small amount is fed. However, pumpkin is high in potassium, so it would not be appropriate for horses with hyperkalemic periodic paralysis. So you can see that pumpkin, as well as other fruits and vegetables, are not good for all horses. Dr. Thunes indicates you can cook the pumpkin and make horse treats by cooking it with oats, wheat bran, cinnamon, and molasses. However, these treats should not be given to overweight horses or those with metabolic disease. She goes on to say that if this is too much trouble, just place the pumpkin in your horse's stall for them to play with, but remove the stem to prevent choking. My major concern with feeding any abnormal food to horses is that they have enough GI problems with colic as it is, and I'm not sure it's worth taking the chance to feed your horse any of these fruits and vegetables. Always check with your veterinarian before feeding any fruits, vegetables, or other abnormal foods to your horse. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is looking for a few volunteers who are interested in promoting their favorite state park. Jessica Domel has the details in today's Wildlife Report. After a two-year hiatus, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is bringing back its State Parks Ambassador Program. State Parks Ambassadors are conservation-minded young adult volunteers between the ages of 18 to 30 who are paired with a state park to foster a new generation of outdoor stewards. Those selected for the program attend leadership training and will serve six months as an ambassador. In that role, they will perform 40 hours of hands-on service, community outreach, and social media projects for their selected state park. The goal is to encourage young Texans to continue the conservation of our state's natural resources, including state parks. Texans who live in Central and West Texas can apply to become an ambassador now through January 26th. Some individuals will be selected for an interview for the role of a state park ambassador. The application period for the Panhandle and North Texas opens in February. Applications for parks in South and East Texas open in August. 
Applicants must be between 18 and 30 years old and must have a high school diploma. You can apply on TexasStateParks.gov. That is TexasStateParks.gov. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is investigating the suspicious death of a bald eagle found about 40 miles north of the Texas border in Atoka County, Oklahoma. The eagle appeared to be mutilated. The head, talons, and the tail feathers were missing. A $1,500 reward is offered for information leading to the conviction of those responsible. Bald eagles are protected by the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act and the Migratory Bird Treaty Act. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We did not have any market trade on Friday for the Christmas Eve holiday, so we'll take a quick jump back as we wrapped up the week on Thursday. We'll have all of Thursday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-size hail and baseball-size hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-size weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We have wrapped up our agricultural trade for the week. All of our markets will be closed on Friday for Christmas Eve, heading into the Christmas holiday. So Thursday was our last trading day for the week, and it was a good one for the cattle market. We ended up strongly higher in both live and feeder cattle futures. December live cattle up $1.30. Wrapping up the week at 137.05, February up to 25, 139.42, April live cattle up $1.80 at 143.92, January feeder cattle up $1.67, 163.45, March feeders up $1.82 at 163.75, April feeder cattle up $1.82, 167.37. The cash-fed cattle trade was fairly light this week. We did see sales here in Texas and the Southern Plains at 135 on a live basis, but again, a light volume trade for the holiday week. Up north, however, we did see higher prices. Live sales reported from 136 to 140. Dressed prices range from 215 to 218. Boxed beef was higher Thursday. Choice up a dollar twenty-one at two sixty-three oh seven. Select up two oh six at two fifty-two eighty-nine. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sound off, it's time to catch up with that little country ball of fire. You know her, Madison Bexley, Lockhart Livestock. Maddie, how'd that sale turn out? Uh, we had a pretty good day. We ended up with 1429 with 307 cows and 69 bulls, 217 sellers, and 101 buyers. Let's walk the pins. Uh, on the soccer cows, we had a real good day. Uh, the good pairs would have brought from 12 and a quarter to 1800. The mediocre and middle aged from 8 to 1150. The Longhorn and the planer pairs from four and a quarter to seven seventy-five. The good bred cows from nine to fourteen hundred. Mediocre and middle-aged cows from six to eight seventy-five. The Longhorn and planer cows from three hundred to five seventy-five. Uh, Packer cows and bulls were doing about steady with a week ago. 
The good high yielding cows from 62 to 75 and a half. The medium yielding from 48 to 61. The low yielding and lightweights from 20 to 47. The good high yielding packer wools from 86 to 96 and a half. The medium yielding from 78 to 85. The low yielding and lightweight bulls from 60 to 77. Calves in Ireland sold pretty much steady with a week ago on a real active market. We um, ended the year on a pretty good note. Good deal. When will you all come back and have your first sale after the holiday? It will be January the 1st. We'll tell everybody happy holidays. I'm sure you and I will speak in the interim between the two weeks. And then tell everybody how to get a hold of you. Yeah, Larry, uh, we want to wish all of our customers a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. You can always call us at the barn at 512 512- Three nine eight three four seven six. My cell phone at nine seven nine five four zero nine seven nine three. Or you can ring Bubba at five one two four six one six zero nine one. Neighbor looks to me like that's it for walking the pens. A production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I hope you had a grand Christmas, and I hope you'll have a great New Year. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs close slightly lower. February hogs down 12 at 83.22. April down a nickel, 86.65. Class 3 milk closed lower. December milk down 3 cents, 18.42 a hundredweight. January milk down 18 at 19.36 a hundred. The cotton market has been slowly climbing throughout the week after that big drop on Monday. We wrapped up the trading week higher. USDA reporting an OK export sales report Thursday morning. Net sales of 243,900 running bales. That's down 15% from the previous week and 21% from the prior four week average. We close with March cotton up 29 points, 109.12. May cotton up 25 at 107.05. New crop December cotton up 72 points, 90.71 cents. The corn market now comfortably above $6 on the nearby contracts. Strong ethanol demand supporting the old crop contracts with March corn up three and a quarter, 605 and three quarters. May corn up three and a quarter, 607 and a quarter. New crop September up one and a half, 572 and a quarter. The wheat market closing mostly higher, especially on the hard red winter wheat contracts. Kansas City wheat getting a lot of support from strong demand and reports of an exceptionally strong basis. We saw reports last week of a basis of 360 over the board for 12% protein wheat. So that puts you at $12. That's a very strong market. And that strong cash market pulling the futures market higher. March Kansas City wheat up seven and three quarters, eight sixty one and a half. New crop July up six to close at eight forty six and a half. Now the soft red wheat market isn't seeing that kind of strength. We close narrowly mixed with July Chicago wheat down a quarter penny, eight oh five and three quarters. In the energy markets on Thursday, January natural gas dropped twenty one cents, three seventy six. February crude oil up a dollar one seventy three seventy seven a barrel. In the financial markets, the Dow up 269 points, 36,023. The Nasdaq up 146 at 15,668. The S&P up 37 points, 4,734. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.